Hi, everyone, and welcome to the new episode of the Women in Economics Initiative podcast, in which we cover the latest research in gender economics and inspiring career paths of female and non-binary economists. I'm Yelena, coordinator of the events team at WE and your host this season. Today, I'm joined by Angela Faith Lapuken Monfocon, an economist at the World Bank. And in this episode, we will discuss her inspiring career path and learn from her experience. Dear Angela, thank you for joining us today. Welcome. Thank you, Elena. Thanks a lot for having me. I'm very happy to be here. It is our pleasure. I have to stress out. So generally, let's warm up a bit and let's tell our audience who you are. And so you can uh, briefly introduce yourself first. Sure. So my name is uh, Angela Faith Lapukin Monfokon, as Yelena has already mentioned. I am a Malawian national. Uh, that's a small country in Southeast Africa. I usually have to add that one. Um, I'm currently living in Jakarta, Indonesia. My current research interests are in the area of international trade. So I look at how exchange rates and tariffs affect the prices that importers pay, for example, but also things like non-tariff measures and how their costs affect businesses, impact firms, products, and other relevant topics in empirical trade. That sounds really impressive. I'm always fascinated when I discover what people are doing their research in. And uh, I'm always fascinated with with the scope of topics we economists cover. And I have to admit, I I love everything. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) So would you mind telling us your story? How did you spark your interest for economics? How it all started? What led you towards it? Sure. (laughs) Um, So I I am a very happy in my career person. I am really grateful that I don't have the kind of career where you're sort of dragging your feet to wake up in the morning. And the reason for that is I was inspired pretty young to study economics when I was 14 years old. Um, That's when I was first introduced to economics. And when I heard what economics was, um, so that was back in Malawi. I was like, oh, I think that if I study this, I might understand why my country is not as rich as other countries. And I thought it explained a lot of other things about daily life, about why we pay the prices we pay and why the prices we're paying now are not the same as the prices we're paying when mm-hmm. I was 10 years old. Um, so it intrigued me in that sense. And then that's basically when I made the decision that I would pursue it. <laughs> I was not that good at it, let me add. I had to really struggle a little bit in the beginning, um, but eventually I found my way and uh, I followed my path. My parents thought I should become a doctor, (laughs) but I was a very stubborn teenager and I said, I really think this is what I want to do. And I made decisions to try to help me sort of end up um, where I am today. So that's basically how I was inspired to, to study this subject. 
that is already amazing. And I think already a first lesson that, that we are sending is that if you feel that you know what, what should be your vocation, you should go for it, despite mm. your parents telling you you should be a doctor or, or a lawyer. I think that's common everywhere in the world. <laughs> yes, whether you're a doctor or a lawyer, and it's like anything else, it's risky. So, yeah, I think that we are uh, generally very grateful that you decided to fight for your passion and that today we can talk to you as an economist. Um, I noticed your educational path has been very international and that you studied in three countries. Would you mind sharing with us uh, this whole story and the journey of your education and um, along that way, what kind of characteristics did you have to build in order to be able to adjust to new countries, new situations, new cultures? I did my high school in Malawi and my bachelor's in Malawi. My high school was at a British high school, and that's how I was introduced to economics. I think that economics is not really something you are usually taught in secondary school. So in that case, I, I, I really consider myself quite uh, fortunate. And I think being at that school sort of already exposed me a little bit to be more international and to think a little bit outside of the box. And then for my undergrad, I only applied for programs that would allow me to study economics in some way. <laughs> and then I'm so grateful that I got into the University of Malawi and that was you know, the key institution to study economics, at least at the time. And I was able to major in economics. During this really, my main inspiration was my mom. I think she always believed I could do anything for some reason. I'm, I come from a family of seven, so there's a lot of us. I am a middle child, so there's three before me and three after me. So I shouldn't have been special, to be honest. <laughs> but for my, my mom, uh, she always said, oh, Angela's are never failures. And every time I came up with something crazy, she always believed that I could do whatever it is that I thought that I put my mind to do. And she never discouraged me or ever said, oh, that's crazy. So I think that really helped me um, and also inspired me to make her proud. But while I studied my undergrad, when I started my fourth year, my mom passed on. And so that demoralized me quite a lot. I was like, oh, okay, now she's not here to see me become great. Because we used to talk about how one day I could work at the central bank. And we would just talk about all these dreams that I had. So that sort of derailed me a bit. And when I finished my undergrad, I my grades were not so good. I dragged myself to the finish line. I, I was a little bit lost at that point. Also, I discovered, like you said in the beginning, that economics is very broad. It was not that little piece that I saw when I was 14 years old. There's economics for trade and agriculture and environment and health, and we could go on and on. So I was, I was a little bit lost in terms of what I was going to do with myself at that point. And this is something I think really helped me and other people can learn that, you know, even if you finish your undergrad and your grades are not that good, whatever the circumstances, these were my own, I think you can always pick yourself up because now I have a PhD and I my grades for my PhD and my master's were pretty excellent, uh, even if I had this rough beginning. But other things that I did, I was doing vocational work, research for a professor during my holidays in my undergrad, and those little activities added to my CV and it helped me sort of compensate for my grades that weren't so good because I faced this tragedy. And I also, you know, worked a little bit as a 
clerk in a, in a commercial bank. Um, I taught a little bit at the, the private university as a junior lecturer in economics. So I, I added all these little experiences to my CV that sort of made up for, I didn't just have a degree. There was a little bit more to the economist that I was trying to become. Um, and I sort of picked myself up and eventually got a job at the central bank, like we talked about with my late mom. So I think that was a little bit of a rejuvenation of my path to sort of, sort of see that I can still go on. And I had the rest of my family, obviously, they were looking up to me. I was the first in my family to go to university. And I felt that I still owe it to them to become at least the best that I can be. And I can't just like stay and be sad for <clears throat> as long as I want. So I think all of those things helped sort of push me forward. And that's essentially how you know, I, I worked there. I got an award for being excellent. I, I, I was very good at my job. I was a fiscal analyst at the central bank. While I was there, I, I struggled to get a master's because people still looked at my grades, right? <laughs> but eventually I was able to get a scholarship to study in Zambia which is right next to Malawi, culturally not that different, but still not the same, but it required a lot of persistence, really. Mm -hmm. At some point I was like, okay, I don't know if I can still do this economics thing <laughs> because I applied to so many universities for a master's degree and I got a lot of rejections. Um, but finally I got into this program and my, of course my work experience in a, in a public institution as a central bank helped and I pursued a master's in economic policy management in Zambia. And while I was there, I was one of the best students. My research was very good. It got published. I even got sponsored to present my research in Malaysia, which had never happened in the program prior to that. So this is really sort of emphasizing that this picking yourself up right from a really, really dark place that one might be. And I realized my passion for research during my master's. When I published that paper, it felt so good. And I was like, okay, I want to do more of that. <laughs> so when I got back to Malawi, I, I went back to the central bank. I was still working, but I would spend my, my time uh, when I was off work doing research. And that's essentially how I got into international trade research. I sort of moved from financial development, international finance, and then found myself in international trade. And because I was doing those, that research on the side, that's how I was able to get a PhD scholarship. This one was easier. <laughs> this one was easier because, um, like I said, you know, I was, I was dedicating time, my spare time, to write papers, mm -hmm. to do research. And by the time I applied for a PhD, I could, dem I, I could, able, I could demonstrate that I have the capability to, to do research. And, of course, I want to learn more. And I got a scholarship to study in Japan, of all places. And I, uh, up until I moved to Jakarta, I was living in Japan. And I did a, my PhD in three years, uh, during which I learned so much. I specialized in international trade. I think all three of my four chapters of my PhD are now published in I, what I would consider good journals. <laughs> I think my professor is happy. He said I was one of these top three students that he's ever had, um, at, and that's at Yokohama National University. So, yeah, this required a big shift, obviously. Japan and Malawi are very different. <laughs> Not only the language, the culture, um, you also don't have, obviously, a lot of, 
a big African community, uh, but, but it was still surprisingly easy. The university would give you someone to help you integrate into the life there, but you have to be you know, curious and you have to be sensitive that, you know, cause we know when you're in a country like that, when people are interested in you, you might get a little bit offended, but a lot of it is harmless. It doesn't mean that people are being racist or anything like that. Genuinely, people might have, I cannot count on my hand the number of people I met who had ever heard of Malawi. Like most people had mm -hmm. never ever heard of where Malawi is, right? It was, I was the first Malawian they would ever meet. Um, so things like that, I think, helped me understand the world is, is big and um, you have to appreciate, you know, that everybody comes from different places. Everybody has different backgrounds and your own background might be different. And it might not always mean that those who might be ignorant are necessarily discriminating against you or it's, that it's anything negative. So maybe let me stop there. I think I've gone from high school to PhD, hopefully. <laughs> I think maybe one thing that I should mention is um, along my path, especially when I was, you know, like applying for PhD or applying for a master's, I, I had my first encounter with female economists. I had never met one in my university. All my, <laughs> all my lecturers were male and I never really thought about it. But when I went to the central bank, there were pretty good economists. I remember the deputy governor economics, uh, Dr. Naomi Nguira. She is an awesome economist and she inspired me so much. And she's actually somebody that when I did get into my PhD program, I went to her for advice. And, you know, she was she was really like advocating for women to sort of add to your uh, skills and in, invest in yourself. You know, go do that PhD sort of thing. She was or never hold back sort of a message. So she really, really inspired me. And I was like, wow, she's so smart and she's done so much. And she's a deputy governor of the central bank. Uh, so I think that's one of the people that I can definitely say, help me see that you can become something great as an economist, you can advise governments and you can, uh, you know, continue to be doing research and sort of be an authority in your field in a way. Firstly, I, I really wanted to say, say that I'm sorry for your loss, but then I was really amazed and very touched by, by your story and that you wanted to share honestly your true story with us. Thank you so much for doing that. I think that uh, it will be very inspiring for everyone who is listening to us and generally telling people that, yeah, all of us go through some problems and it's not just glitter and uh, gold. It's, uh, yeah, much more than that. And it's mm. very painful and, and long, long journey. And I do really admire uh, your, your strength. But I also think that one of the key things that I would like to highlight to everyone listening to us, especially people who are still in their undergraduate studies or maybe their master studies, they should not let their grades define them as, mm. as persons and as people and define their value. Uh, they're much more than their grades. And sometimes life circumstances are like that, that you really cannot ace all, all the exams. But having extracurricular activities and going after your passion in every possible way. So you said you did a research assistant uh, outside of the faculty and you tried to get as much as engaged as you could really helped a lot. And I think that that can be a recipe for success for everyone. 
because yeah. not only grades let you enter a program, yeah, they they look at you as a whole package and look at your skills and yeah, uh, actually how how motivated you were to experience your field from different angles and in different roles. So I think that that's very important for us to highlight uh, before before we move on with the episode. Yeah. In retrospect, you know, <laughs> I, I, I can see, you know, you have to sort of think back and just like, oh, okay, maybe what happened, maybe at the time you might not realize it, but I think it's important if you can get this information now. I definitely agree with you 100%. Wonderful. And another thing that I wanted to ask you, as as I'm generally very curious to know these things, but you already touched upon it, is that I think role models and mentors are also very important throughout our life. And um, you already mentioned that um, there was a female economist at the central bank while, while you were working there. But did you perhaps have some other mentors or role models that uh, helped you become economist as you are today? So apart from the central bank, which, you know, incidentally, my supervisor was female, the director of my department was female, and then as I said, the deputy governor was female. So I was like, oh, wow, women are killing it in this this institution. that's impressive. Um, It was really impressive, sincerely. But also outside of that, I think I hadn't thought outside of that until when I was doing my master's in Zambia, and I was then doing my research. My research at that time was on financial inclusion, and I remember distinctly that one of the first articles I read was a speech by Christine. And for mm-hmm. some reason, at that point, I hadn't thought about who is the head of the IMF or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, wait, um, you know, this is, you know, she, she gave a speech about financial inclusion and why it's important and why, it, you know, it, social inclusion is also sort of a part of it. And I, was, I really enjoyed reading that speech. And then I, I got curious and I read a, lo- a little bit about her. And it was really amazing to see you know, that she was the first female head of the IMF. Um, and at that time, then I, I found out, oh, okay, right, the chief economist of the IMF was female and that then the chief economist of the World Bank was female. So I know Christine Lagarde is a very famous person and maybe saying that she was an inspiration to me might not mean much, but to be honest, like seeing her and reading her speech at that time, it, it meant a lot to me and it, it, mm-hmm. it helped me see even beyond these great women I had seen at the central bank to sort of see some a woman can be at the head of a big institution such as the IMF. So she's definitely, you know, one of those people that I, I always hoped to meet her one day and it didn't happen. Uh, <laughs> and I saw her and we were in the same room once, but the room was so big and she was so far ahead. But I remember, uh, but she really did inspire me and really show me just how far women economists can mm-hmm. go and seeing how she got there and where she is now. And because of her, I actually sort of actively started looking into, and and maybe we'll talk about this later, but I think last year on International Women's Day, I actually did a blog about female economists that I admire. Uh, And she was there, Gita Gopinath was there, and just genuinely people that I have sort of broken any barriers I might have had on how far you can go as an economist in this world, right? Even beyond the inspirations that I had prior to that. That's amazing. I mean, it might sound like a cliche, but 
I do admire Christine Lagarde as well. And I think many other female economists would really tell you the same. So she, she is definitely a, a role model that we have in our profession. I think that now we, we maybe might touch upon your current uh, position at the World Bank and the whole experience that you had there through the program of young professionals. Um, because I know that for many economists, this is really a dream job. So let us dive more into it and learn more about it. Yeah. So, wow, being a World Bank young professional. Um, so from everything you've heard, you will see that I am pretty set in my ways. Um, and when I was doing my PhD, I had sort of really made up my mind that, I mean, Prior to this, I always wanted to work in public policy. That's why I loved my job at the central bank. And I always wanted to do something that's policy relevant. So I wanted to get into international development. So when I was um, in my second year, I think that's when the applications opened. And because it takes one year, if I applied then, then I would be able to start just as I was finishing my PhD in my third year. Um, so I applied and I had already decided that if I don't make it, I'm going to reapply until I am too old to apply. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I had already given myself three years where I would try at least three times uh, before I, I decided to look elsewhere. So I, I wanted to either join the IMF Economist Program or the World Bank Young <laughs> Professionals Program. Um, I'm really grateful that I was able to get in um, on my first try. Uh, as you know, the process is very long and there's a lot of people that apply. Um, the experience has been great, to be honest. I think that I really like the World Bank. It's a very vast uh, institution doing a lot of things. Um, and I'm somebody who, you know, uh, yeah, I'm a specialist in trade, but I, I am somebody who, I, you know, I've done a bit on monetary policy, I've done a bit on financial inclusion, and it's an institution that sort of delves in all of these areas. So I really love that. I think for me, the most uh, fulfilling is really talking to policymakers, right? Uh, to be able to sort of link between all those sleepless nights where you're doing code in your PhD <laughs> to something real on the ground and a, a genuine uh, policy question that practitioners might have. I think making that linkage has been maybe the most exciting thing for me talking to policymakers, hearing what they face, hearing what's important to them, and sort of being able to link your analytical skills to those issues. I enjoy absolutely the policy dialogue a lot. And I also love that you can continue developing and using your you know, applied research skills whilst doing that. And it's a program that focuses on building you, you know, to become a, a leader. I think you will see that on the website. Uh, so I have benefited from that as well and met lots of incredibly smart people that join at the same time as you because you join as a cohort. So you sort of form a family. So that's that's really amazing. So I would say, you know, if, if you're interested in the program, you should definitely give it a shot. The experience has been better than what I would have thought. That's the truth of it. Yeah, I think just the World Bank as an institution, but also the Young Professionals Program is, is a really great program. And I think for as long as it exists, it is not a bad ambition to have at all. <laughs> and you should definitely go for it. 
I think also on my website, the, there was an event that they did during the recruitment last year where they had young professionals share their experience with uh, potential recruits. And I, I was selected as one of those young professionals to be on this event. Um, so you can also check that out and, and see some of the tips that the, you know, the office gives to, to potential applicants. And I'm not saying it just in case my boss hears it. <laughs> I, I am genuinely happy. Um, and I will definitely let you know if that changes. <laughs> yes, but, but I'm sure that um, it, will, it will stay that way. And I hope that we might inspire someone who was indecisive whether to apply or not to definitely give it a shot because it, really it can only enrich their experience and open yeah, new worlds absolutely. and uh, yeah, open new horizons, which, which I really love about those kind of programs. Yeah, you, you're right that even, even the application process teaches you a lot about yourself, right? How to present yourself, how to mm. sort of be focused about what you want. And I think that alone is, is, is a building exercise, I would say. So, mm. Yeah. Mm. I mean, that's what I wanted to refer to now. On Angela's website, you can find a blog section uh, in which you can find lots of valuable sources on exactly how to write your motivational letter, how to write your CV, how to write your research statement, and lots of important documents, so to say, that we have to produce throughout our schooling and that we need for application for any kind of a job. I invite everyone who would like to learn more from Angela's experience to visit this uh, section on her website. And, uh, I will definitely link your website uh, into description of of the podcast. When it comes to women and economics and girls trying to make success in economic careers, what would be the tips that you would give to someone who is considering doing this? First, maybe I would give a motivation that I think economics can be a very fulfilling career, right? It, it, like I said in the beginning, it's very broad and I think you can find yourself in it and make yourself relevant in it in, in, in the ways that are maybe a best fit for you. So definitely go for it. It's not the most fun subject. At some point you might think, oh my gosh, this, this is way too much econometrics. I'm going to leave this thing behind. But I would encourage you to really pursue it. Take some time to read what economics is about, what careers can you pursue? Because I think for me, when I was at a point where I was a little bit confused, getting myself more information about the field and where I can go with it and identifying my passions within that helped a lot to sort of pursue that. So definitely go for it. And I also know that economics can seem like a man's science. I mean, I remember I gave a presentation and I said, we have the father of economics, but we don't have a mother of economics. So it can seem like the science of man, the science of self-fulfillment and profit maximization. But don't let that put you off. The more of us that study the subject, the more of us that can tailor the subject to what economics should be for everyone. This is the history. This is where it came from. But it doesn't have to be what it stays or where it's going. So I think you joining the profession will be an enrichment to the profession, but also an enrichment to the products of the profession when it comes to policy advice and the perspectives that we bring to the table that may not always be there. So please go for it. 
don't be discouraged. There will be a lot of discouragement, <laughs> but don't let them stop you and, and give it a shot. And you will be an addition. It will not only benefit you, but you will actually also benefit the profession itself. I mean, this is really amazing. It, it summarizes, I would say, whole mission of the Women Economics Initiative and what we want to send out uh, to the world. So, yeah, thank you for putting it up so nicely. <laughs> so let us slowly wrap up our amazing conversation. And for today, I have my last question for you. Usually, I like to ask people to inspire us even more by telling us about their favorite books, podcasts, websites, YouTube channels that are hosted or created by female economists. So what do you have for us today, Angela? <laughs> um, so I would recommend a podcast for today, and that's a podcast called Trade Talks. It's by uh, Samaya Keynes. She's from The Economist, and she hosts this podcast with Chad Bowne. And they talk about trade and trade policy. But the thing is, when you listen to it, they touch upon almost all the aspects of economics that you can think of. And it's it's entertaining. They present intelligent arguments, but in a very friendly way. It, and the podcasts are not too long. And it also gives you a good insight of geopolitics and things that you are hearing on the news and sort of understand them from an economic perspective. Um, and, you know, not, not just to make Yelena and her team happy, but I have definitely benefited a lot from the Women in Economics Initiative website. I think there's, there's lots of good stats that you bring out in the index that I just I never knew where I could get that kind of information. And it's inspiring to also see what women are doing and, and hearing what's going on in the world of economics and what female economists are doing in their research. And I definitely recommend just checking out the website. In answer to her previous question on what tips to give to girls who want to build a career in economics, if you go to this website, you will also be inspired to pursue economics. So I've genuinely benefited from it. And I'm not just saying that because I'm on the podcast. So I recommend it. Thank you so much, Angela. Those are really wonderful words that really keep us going because all of us are volunteers at the Women Economics Initiative and we do live for this kind of moments where you see that people genuinely enjoy and benefit from the content that we're creating. So thank you so much for your kind words and thank you for the brilliant recommendation. For me, this was a very pleasant conversation. Thank you so much for joining me today. I hope that everyone at home who listened to us enjoyed as well and learned a lot. I will link lots of information that we mentioned throughout our conversation. Thank you one more time for being my guest today. Thank you, Yelena, for having me today. Um, it's also been a pleasure talking to you. So thanks everyone for listening to us today. This was an exceptional and amazing episode with Angela on her inspiring career path. Stay tuned for more interesting episodes to come. Bye-bye. The views expressed in WE podcasts are those of the interviewers and the guests and do not necessarily reflect the opinion of the organization, its partners, other members, or any other affiliated people and organizations. We'd also like to thank Maddie Stevenson for writing and recording our original theme song. For anyone who would like to learn more about the Women in Economics Initiative, please find us online as well as on most social media channels.